Good morning. Good to see you this morning. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's sing together. Open up the heavens as we meet God here in this place this morning. Sing with me. We waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Your presence in this place, your glory on our face, would look into the sky, descending like a cloud. You're standing with us now, Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our prayer. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us. Show us your glory, Lord. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. We want to see Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part. Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us today to uh, choose to come and worship with Pitts Baptist. Those that are online and those in person, thank you so much for being with us today. We do ask all of our guests that are with us to please take a care card. They're located there in the pew rack in front of you and fill in your information. We would love to be able to send you something from our church. 
Then on the back of the care card for all of us is a place to fill in prayer requests. Uh, we would love to be hearing from you about that, too. As you leave today, you can place those uh, in the boxes on the round table, and those will be passed along to the right people. So please take time to do that. Uh, we want to be praying for you and want you to know what's going on here at Pitts Baptist. But thank you again uh, for being with us in worship. Uh, the church conference that was scheduled for tonight, we've moved that to October 17th. And we want to encourage you to be a part of that. It'll be right here in the worship center at 6 o'clock, right after discipleship training. We've got some important matters. We uh, are, want to talk to you about a ministry opportunity for our Hispanic ministry, some changes, adjustments that we've made to that. And so we, we ask that you be here to hear about that and some opportunities to vote on some things. So please be here for that a very important uh, business meeting on October the 17th. Uh, discipleship training classes begin tonight, and it's not too late to sign up. Please go by the information desk on your way out today and make sure you fill in your name. We have a men's class that will be meeting in E14. That's down in the core building. If you go in at the drink machines and take a right, it's the last room on the right. Uh, a man in his traps with men's fraternity. We've done that curriculum before, and it's really good. And so we want to encourage you to come be a part of that class. Men, ladies are going to be doing a class in the small fellowship hall that's over in the C building. Uh, it's, it's called Abigail dealing with uh, uh, a problem people in your life, something like that. Difficult people in your life. You know, my wife signed up looking at me going, no, I'm kidding. She didn't do that. But anyway, um, we all have folks that we need to deal with. Sometimes maybe it's even us that are the problem people. And so we want to encourage the ladies to sign up for that. And then there's also a class on Christ-centered parenting. And I was talking to uh, Amy about that class this week. Folks, our kids are being dealt things today that are unbelievable, that we have never dealt with when it comes to gender identity, uh, different issues like that that are being presented in our schools. And this parenting class deals with a lot of those issues. And so we want to encourage you as parents to please sign up for that and be a part of that. They'll be meeting down in the cafe uh, tonight at 5. So get signed up, be a part of those, and uh, we want to make sure we have enough books and all that. So if you could sign up for that, that would be great. Be looking forward to Sunday, October the 24th for our Missions and Action Sunday. Uh, Bill Little, who is the pastor of the church in Alaska, who we, we have partnered with, will actually be here to speak that day. So those of you that have been on that trip, the youth and adults, uh, you'll get to see uh, him and Miss Becky here uh, for that day. There'll be testimonies from our recent trips to Alaska and other places on that day. And then also we're taking up a harvest in-gathering offering that day. All of those funds that we take up that day, and we want you to be praying about what God would have you give, go towards sending out missionaries from our church, our church members. Uh, we help subsidize some of their trips so that more of you can be going on missions, whether it be to Alaska or over to Africa or New York, other places to Kinston. It helps all of our missionaries that are here be able to go and do that. So be thinking about that as we take up that offering on that day. And then don't forget about Trunk or Treat. Hopefully you were in community group this morning and you'll be hearing more about that. We're asking our community groups to team up and have cars in our parking lot on uh, October 27th to decorate those. We'll actually give out a prize for the best decorated vehicle. Uh, Epic's gonna win that, so you may not even wanna try to get that. But anyway, um, you'll have info in community groups about that. We do need a lot of candy this year. Uh, to help support that. So be listening for more information about Trunk or Treat. That's a little different than what we've done in the past, 
And so we're pretty excited about that. We, uh, believe it or not, Operation Christmas Child is upon us. It comes every eight months. Seems like it, right? As I get older, boy, time really marches on, doesn't it? But we're going to watch a video on that, and then Miss Shannon Gardner is going to come and talk a little bit about that. If you direct your attention to the screen. This is for a boy between 9 and 11. I'm in a place called Katakosh, just outside of Mosul. This is a, a church that was completely destroyed uh, by ISIS. As we were coming through, one of our team uh, discovered one of the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. I don't know who gave it, who sent it, but uh, it touched the life of a child at one point. And of course, we asked people when they pack a box to always pray. You never know where that box will go. Where are the lost? Where are the hardest to get to people groups? Where has the gospel of Jesus not been preached and proclaimed? In Acts 13, 47, for so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We live in a broken world, an evil world. Yet Jesus gave us orders. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have a job to do. When we talk about going to the ends of the earth, we're talking about shoebox gifts that are taking the gospel to the hardest to reach areas of the world. If you want to bring hope to a broken society, it's the gospel. An Operation Christmas Child is not about passing out toys, it's about the gospel. Each kid, when they receive that box, they're gonna hear the presentation of the gospel clearly. They make a decision for Christ, and then they're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. We're in the South Pacific. I want to reach these islands for Christ. These are poor areas. People don't have any hope. People don't come here. There's no tourists here, but we're going to be here. I'm right outside of Mazlan, Mexico, about six-hour drive up in the mountains with Operation Christmas Child. This is where people that are brave are taking Operation Christmas Child to the ends of the earth. We need boxes that are packed by families, by churches and groups, but we also need boxes that are packed online. When you build a shoebox online, these are the boxes that give us access into hard-to-reach places of the world. We go at great lengths, great effort, to take these boxes to children in the most remote parts of the world. It's an incredible journey. You know, the mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. Children are coming to faith. Children are being discipled, and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Good morning. First off, I want to say thank y'all for being such a wonderful support of this ministry. Y'all been doing this for over 20 years now. And last year, when we took a leap of faith and became a central drop-off center, y'all really supported us, and um, we were able to 
get almost, we're just shy of 17,000 gospel opportunities. And remember the multiplication process that happens when you send a box. They say at least seven to 10 lives are touched by just one box. So multiply that 17,000 by seven to 10 people. So that's a phenomenal impact for the gospel. I also want to thank you just for volunteering. Um, we had almost 100 volunteers, almost over 600 hours of volunteer labor, and we can't do that without y'all. Next week, we will have sign-ups for you on that, and I really ask for you to prayerfully consider um, that last, all during the week we need people, but on that last day, the 22nd, um, it gets really, um, there's just a lot coming in and lots of cartons to get on the semi-trucks. We filled almost three semi-trucks full of boxes last year, and that's labor, and we need, um, I, we used to have a few good men on the list. This year it says many good men. <laughs> um, so um, we need many good men on that last day to help fill up our semi-trucks. That's when the other churches, because we're a central drop-off, bring us their cartons, and so we're put, getting the, all those cartons, and we're getting them onto the, the trucks those last day, and God really blessed us with just the right people and, um, and to get us through last year. And I'm just so thankful because um, that was a big leap of faith to go from collecting around 3,000 normally to, three to around three to 5,000 normally to um, 17,000. That was a big leap and I just cannot thank y'all enough for that. Um, as you pack your boxes, the biggest thing I ask that you put in them is prayer. Pray for the divine appointments, pray for the lives that will be touched, pray for the hedge of protection around the people getting them there. Pray for the ministries that are helping to distribute them. Pray for the children's hearts to be pricked for the gospel. These are life-changing gifts. What goes in is fun. What comes out is eternal. So please keep that in mind as you're packing. Um, and I think God just places on your heart, um, I know for us, like just different things that are important to be put in your box. And I love seeing um, everybody's hearts and ideas um, as they pack boxes. And also make it a family um, event, please, and pray over it together as a family. We have sheets out there for your children to fill out and, um, and make it personal. Uh, include pictures, include addresses, because you get letters back sometimes, and that's really exciting. It, this is just a wonderful opportunity. This picture up on the um, board behind me was done by my precious friend and mentor, Ruth Randall, because that's the vision I have for what Operation Christmas Child does, is it's God's arms reaching around the world and they're made up of boxes, and we can reach from right here in Concord, North Carolina, to war-torn places like Iraq that we just saw. And um, our God, every box that is sent to the children get, has a gospel placed inside in their language. There's over 81 translations of this wonderful book right now. It's a great booklet on sharing the gospel, and you can see um, this is the Russian one right here. And so um, there's lots of different... Um, languages that this goes out in, and this is just, like I said, a wonderful opportunity to reach right here from Concord, North Carolina, to around the world. I'm going to take this time right now for us to pray for the gospel to be spread during this Operation Christmas Child season, and that our boxes will be multiplied to the ends of the earth. Dear Heavenly and Gracious Father, we just love you so much, and we thank you that you are a God of details, and you know the details that go into our boxes, and you know the child that's going to receive them and what their needs are, and I love how you just coordinate that. So often we hear of those divine appointments, and it's such a blessing. And I just pray, Lord, that as our church works together to um, 
change lives for the gospel, with the gospel, that you will just bless our efforts, Lord, that you will multiply them, um, give us wisdom, give us the strength that we need. Also, just I pray for a hedge of protection around the boxes that are going out for um, all the different ministries that will be touching these boxes. I love um, when we work at the processing center and seeing all those hands and feet together working for the gospel and for the furtherment of your kingdom, Lord. And I just thank you for this wonderful, simple way to do this and packing a gift um, that can change a life. And I just pray for the children that are going to be receiving them. I pray, Lord, that it will plant a wonderful seed that will grow and multiply, um, not just within their hearts, Lord, but within the community around them. And Lord, just for your kingdom at large. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. And we thank you for this privilege and opportunity um, to serve you wherever we are that can reach around the world. In your son's holy and gracious name, amen. I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love to me on the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set me free sing oh sing of my redeemer with his blood he purchased me on the cross he sealed my pardon paid the debt and made me I will tell the wondrous story how my lost estate to save in his boundless love and mercy either ransom freely gave sing oh sing of my redeemer with his blood he purchased me on the cross he sealed my pardon paid the debt and made me free you set me free my ransom so free the darkness is over beholding i see a living redeemer love healing me forever forgiven this love song i bring you set me free i will praise my dear redeemer his triumphant power i'll tell how the victory he giveth over sin and death and hell sing oh sing of my redeemer with his blood he purchased me on the cross he sealed my pardon paid the debt and made me free you set me free my ransom so free 
the darkness is over beholding i see a living redeemer love healing me forever forgiven this love song i bring you set me free a living redeemer love healing me forever forgiven this love song i bring you set me free
may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. Find 2 Timothy chapter 1 in your copy of the scripture. Looking at the subject matter this morning, fanning and fighting. Fanning and fighting, 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 6 and reading down through verse 9. Uh, as Pastor Seeger mentioned in the announcements, we have, moving, uh, we have moved the business conference away from tonight. We wanted, to hear, uh, wanted you to hear from Luis and Jenny uh, some issues about the Hispanic ministry, and Luis is terribly ill. Uh, he does not have COVID. Uh, in fact, personally, I'm not aware of any COVID cases in the church right now. Amen? Seems like a while since I've been able to say that. Uh, you may know of some. I don't. But Luis has a double ear infection and is really struggling with that. And so he let me know the end of this week that he would not be able to be here today. So we have moved that. I trust as you came in, you got two of the cups, a smaller and a larger cup, and also the Lord's Supper elements. If you did not, you may want to slip into the lobby and pick up those items. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word, please? Paul writes in verse 6, he says, For this reason, and of course he's hearkening back to what he's just said about Timothy, the uh, family legacy that Timothy has with his grandmother and his mother and their strong faith and the faith that resides in Timothy now. He says, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and of love and of self-control. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, which now has been made manifest through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to abolish death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you for the call that you have placed upon our lives. Lord, we, we love to be comfortable. We love to have people like us. We love for things to go our way. But Lord, remind us as a body of believers, as we focus in upon the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, this Lord's Supper Sunday, that you have likewise called us to a cross. We are to deny ourselves. And pick up our cross and follow you. 
Lord, what that looks like for each person will be different based upon their gifts and their calling. But the challenge and the principle is yet the same. That we're to die daily and we're to follow you. And God, I pray that we would be found faithful in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to mention several scripture passages to you. You don't have to turn, just listen. Luke 9.51 Scripture says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. I want you to think about that. Despite knowing what he was going to face when he got there to Jerusalem, he steadfastly set his face to go there. Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In John 21, Jesus' words to Simon Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And then in verse 19, this he said to show by what kind of death Peter was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And then Peter wanted to know about John. And Jesus said, what is that to you? You follow me. Folks, what do you hear in all of those verses and passages? You hear the subject matter of cost. Jesus even said on one occasion, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. There's a cost that is involved in being a Christian. Naming the name of Jesus and following him. There's a cost involved. And on this Lord's Supper Sunday, when we think of the cost that Jesus Christ endured for us, I want us to think on this same subject matter for us. There's a cost involved. I want you to see with me, first of all, this morning, there's a great need for all Christians today to understand our urgent calling. Look again at verses 6 and 7. Uh, Paul says here, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us not a spirit of uh, fear, but of power and love and of self-control. Look at what Timothy is being admonished to do there. He is being told to fan into flames. 
the tendency is that we will all lose some of our zeal and love for Christ if we're not careful. It happens. I think of even Jesus' words in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2, to the church at Ephesus. You remember what he told them? He said, you're still working hard for me, you're laboring tirelessly for me, but you have lost your first love. You don't love me the way you used to love me. And he called upon them to repent, to renew their faith. That there would be a revival in their lives and in their church where they would follow Jesus and love him with a renewed zeal and a renewed love. That's a need for each of us. The ESV along with the NIV are very good here in these verses. They say fan into flames. It's a very graphic image here. Fires have to be stoked up. Coals have to be stoked up. You have to pay them attention. And the same is true for our hearts and for our faith. And folks, we see here a balance between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Just because it is God who saves us and equips us, as Paul will point out in verse 9, does not mean that we simply let go and let God as the old saying used to be. Salvation is of the Lord. The gifts are of the Lord. But you and I have to fan them into flames. And by Paul telling Timothy that here, there may be an indication that perhaps Timothy has begun to lose some of his passion and drive. Maybe Timothy was discouraged and a little bit afraid because his mentor, the Apostle Paul, was in jail and was about to lose his life. As Timothy thought about this, it might have provoked him to pull back a little bit. In his own discipleship. And we know from some words that Paul said in 1 Timothy. That apparently Timothy tended to be maybe a little bit shy. A little bit timid. And also a little bit physically weak. And he had many afflictions. So Timothy probably had a personality that tended towards fearfulness and timidity. And he had a weak constitution. Now, whether or not that's fully accurate or not, as far as we know, it it seems to be from Paul's words in 1 Timothy. But regardless of however weak physically, whatever timidity that Timothy faced in his life, Paul is saying to him here, Timothy, you've got a responsibility. God's given you something. He's given you salvation. He's given you a gift. And it is your responsibility to renew that and to fan it into flames. Now, when he says fan it into flames, what's he referring to? People are divided on this. The gift of God that's in you. Maybe the Holy Spirit. 
Remember, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be sent to us on His ascension. He would pray to the Father and they would send to each believer the Holy Spirit who would be to them a helper and a teacher and a comforter. And the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1.13 that from the moment each of us are saved, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And we know it's possible to grieve the Spirit. We know it's possible to quench the Spirit. Timothy needs to fan into flames the gift of the Spirit. He needs to be filled with the Spirit. He was baptized with the Spirit. But Paul is saying he also needs to be filled with the Spirit. He needs to fan that into flames. A second possibility, Paul may be referring to Timothy's spiritual gift. Because at the moment of our conversion, not only are we indwelt with the gift of the Holy Spirit himself, but we are also given at least one spiritual gift. And Timothy was called to be a pastor. We can assume his gift was pastor-teacher. He needed to fan that into flames. Folks, the same is true for each of us. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Are you developing that gift? Are you fanning into flames that gift that God has given to you? Now, you can't do it without God's help. It's God that empowers us. Notice what he goes on to say about that in verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Here again, you'll see in some translations, capital S, referring to the Holy Spirit. That's probably correct. A lot of translations say little s, spirit, speaking of our human spirit. But either way, the spirit God has given us is not the spirit of fear, but of power. God gives power. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples in the Great Commission in Acts chapter 1-8. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. God gives power in place of weakness and fear. God also gives love. Paul states that next. A number of years ago, you may recall a guest speaker that came and spoke here, a senior adult man by the name of Max Pendleton. He shared a tremendous testimony about how his son was a state trooper and his son was gunned down and killed. And Max wanted to go into the prison system where the killer of his son was, and share the gospel and lead him to Christ. You may say, how in the world could a man do something like that? Because of love that only Christ can give. 
The word here is agape love. It's the kind of love that takes our eyes off of ourselves and sees others as God sees them. If we have agape love, we see lost men, we're, we're not going to be able to do anything but reach out to them and share the love of Christ. If we don't have agape love, we may say, hey, I'm on the way to heaven. Just as long as I'm okay, they, they're on their own. Or if we have agape love and we see a church member struggling and in need, we're not going to be able to, to help but to reach out to them and help them any way that we can. But if we don't have agape love, we'll say let them fend for themselves. God gives love. God looked at a lost and dying world and he sent his son. For God so loved the world, and the word there is agape love, that he gave his only begotten son. And ladies and gentlemen, when we look at this world, he expects of his followers to have the very same type of love. Then he says God gives self-control. Someone has called this the sanity of of saintliness. One commentator says Paul has in mind a measure of control over one's thinking and actions that allows a balanced outlook on any situation. When everything is coming unglued, this quality of level-headedness will keep the Christian focused calmly on the power and love that the Spirit provides and so it makes perseverance in life and ministry possible. Now folks, Paul's words to Timothy in these verses here are very much needed to us today. We can't just sit back and rest on our spiritual legacy. We need to fan into flames. We need to get fired up. We need to stay as close to the Lord as possible knowing that he's going to give us everything that we need for life and ministry. We need to understand that God is the one who will help us and strengthen us. And so we need to find our place in the body of Christ. We need to get busy. We need to grow. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves. We need to put our eyes on Jesus and put our eyes on a lost and a dying world. You and I have been saved to serve. Oh, there's great privilege in salvation. There's great privilege in having your name written in the book of life. But salvation is given that you will turn around and, and serve to the glory of God. Even Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2.10 talking about all the suffering that he was going to do in his own life. He said, I endure all things for the sake of God's elect. He was willing to suffer shipwreck or punishments or imprisonment, all sorts of things for the sake of those that he knew God was going to save and put in his body, his family. And you and I need to do the same. Secondly, I want you to see there's a great need for all Christians today to exercise courage in their discipleship. He says in verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. 
Paul is saying, Timothy, you are to be bold in your testimony about Jesus, your witness about Jesus. And folks, every time we tell somebody about Christ, we are affirming the truth and the reality and the power of the gospel message. Don't be ashamed of it. I think of what Paul said in Romans 1.16. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. If you've been saved and Christ has changed your life, then by all means, don't be ashamed to tell other people about it. Don't be ashamed of what Jesus Christ suffered on that cross for you. Don't be ashamed to hang out with Christians either. Because Paul says here, neither be ashamed of me, the Lord's prisoner. Timothy needed courage to identify with Paul because, again, Paul was arrested. We know that according to Christian tradition, Nero, the emperor Nero, had the apostle Paul beheaded. So Timothy might be thinking, if I hang out with this guy who's in prison and he's about to be martyred for the faith, if I hang out with him and I'm too much of a close associate with him, then the same thing that's happening to him is going to happen to me. And so he might have been tempted to be a little bit ashamed of Paul. Pull back a little bit. Paul said, don't be ashamed of the gospel and don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me. Look at verse 8. He says, join with me in suffering. Join with me in suffering. On one occasion, King David had sinned in numbering Israel and Judah. You remember that story? God sent a plague against the people. 70,000 people died in the plague. And David pleaded with God and he said, God, I'm the one who sinned. Please hold back the plague. And God said to David, go and erect an altar on the threshing floor of Aronah, the Jebusite. When David went to Aronah and told him what he wanted to do, Aronah said, here, take the threshing floor. And you remember what King David said? I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I want to ask you today, what's your faith costing you? Will you join in suffering? Is your faith costing you nothing? Or are you willing to be a fellower, fellow sufferer? You know, we're not in danger, at least yet, of arrest. But, but sometimes people who are Christians get made fun of. If you see a Christian at school or work getting made fun of because of their faith in Christ, don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm a Christian too. Stand with your fellow believers. Don't be ashamed to let people know you believe in Jesus. You identify with Christ and with his people. Look, he's saying here not to be ashamed of Christ and not to be ashamed of the testimony about Christ and not to be ashamed of others who 
identify with Christ. Take your stand for the sake of the gospel. I don't want to draw attention away from what Paul is saying here, but just think about today where Christians need courage. Pastor Seeger mentioned this earlier. Think of kids in school systems today. Think of people. Some of the things that that they are being attacked by. Are you willing to take a stand on what the Bible says about creation? Are you willing to take a stand on what the Bible says about gender issues, about marriage issues? These would be some of the issues of today where believers need to be willing to take a stand and say, Thus saith the Lord. Are you willing to do that? Think about how the testimony of our Lord is being hijacked today at just about every level in society. I think God would say to us today, Christians, show some courage. Paul steps it up a notch in terms of courage. He says that we are to accept our share of suffering or affliction for the sake of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel oftentimes brought suffering to those who shared it. Sometimes it brought imprisonment. Sometimes it even brought death. In Acts 12, Herod Agrippa took James, the brother of John, and had him killed with the sword. When he saw that it made the Jews happy, he tried to do the same with Simon Peter. But God delivered Peter. We live in such a a consumer oriented culture if we're not careful we can bring that same attitude and expectation into the church and instead of being willing to suffer we can start saying uh, what's in it for me well you know the Bible says one of these days you'll you'll get a crown and a reward and for now you have peace in the presence of the Holy Spirit but for now you might get a cross 2 Timothy 3.12 Paul says all not some, not most all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution you know in America we have enjoyed centuries of, of great comfort haven't we when it comes to Christianity for which we can be grateful in fact, in years past, you might even be looked down on if you were a prominent businessman in the community and you were not a member of a church. It's been easy to be a Christian in American society. But you know what? Unfortunately, those days seem to be changing a little bit, don't they? Paul says, share in suffering for the gospel. Philip's translation says, accept your share of the suffering. Are you willing to do that? Now I want you to think about that before you shake your heads in agreement that you're willing to do that. Are you willing to accept your share? The idea is that all of us have possibly a certain allotment, a a certain amount of suffering that we're going to have to go through in our lifetimes for the sake of the gospel. And are we willing to do that? Are you willing to do your part? Might be a big share. Might be a little share. I've given you two cups this morning. I want to ask you to take both of those cups out now. 
What, what if the Lord, think of this cup as, as a, a share that you might get. What if in your lifetime of following Christ, your share of suffering and cost is just a little bit signified by this cup? Are you willing to accept that as your share? What if on the other hand though, see this bigger cup. What if the Lord has a bigger cup of suffering and affliction for you? As you follow Christ and bring glory to Him and to His name. Are you willing for that cup of suffering to be filled up? Are you? Were there a small cup? Because see again, Paul is saying, what he's saying here is is we all have a share. He had a share, Timothy has a share. And the sense of the text is there's a share for all of us. There's a cup of suffering for all of us to some degree. And none of us want to suffer again. I grant you that. But if we're faithful, all of us will have a certain measure of suffering. Which cup? That's for the Lord to decide. And are you willing to drink that cup? I want you to take a pen out this week, today, or a marker and put on it, my share of affliction. And and put that somewhere on your desk or in your kitchen or bathroom by bedside. Just as a reminder, I just want you to remember what Paul is saying to Timothy here that he's to accept his share. That you've got a share, maybe a little share, maybe a big share. A cup of suffering, a cup of affliction, a cup of trials. Are you willing to drink it? Or are you going to say, no. Not me, Lord. Give that to somebody else. I always think of Dave Seeger. Bless his heart. What a wonderful man in our fellowship. He had a little jingle, a little song he would sing based on Isaiah's call. Here am I, Lord, send me. Dave Seeger would change it around to signify the mentality of too many in the church today. Here am I, Lord, send him. Here am I, Lord, send her. Give him the suffering and me the blessing. Here am I, Lord, send him. Did you ever hear Dave sing that? Here's your cup. A little bit or much. Might even vary at different times. Right on that cup, my share. Put it somewhere this week. You'll think about it. Lord, am I counting the cost? Am I drinking the cup of affliction and suffering you have for me? Lord, am I being faithful? You know, in some cultures even today, it's costing them dearly. I'll never forget a couple of years ago when Robbie Jones and Ivadi and myself went to Cameroon, Africa. And some of the pastors we were working with that week, they were from Nigeria. And if you know anything about what's going on there, Boko Haram is is really cranking things up in Nigeria. And Christians in Nigeria are dying. 
And there were some pastors there that week at, at the center where we were staying. There were some pastors who were getting phone calls from their wives that very week. Something had happened in the government. And the Muslims were getting stirred up in opposition against the Christians. And the wives were calling their husbands to say they were once again, not for the first time, but once again, they were having to barricade themselves away with their little children inside their homes. These pastors couldn't get back to them. And they were worried all we could do is pray with them. I still remember one pastor telling me when this had happened before. He said, he said Scott, we, we locked away and barricaded ourselves inside of our home for three weeks. We ran out of food. We had nothing but crackers and water, my wife and my kids and myself. But we had to hide away in our homes because of what Boko Haram was doing in our community. Some cultures are facing that today. Folks, who are we to suppose that it's never supposed to cost us anything? And you know, we tend to look at cost in trivial terms, right? The preacher went a little long today. The temperature wasn't just right for me. Somebody in Sunday school said something to me that kind of offended me a little bit. And we get uh, offended by all of these little things. Are you willing to drink a cup of affliction God might have for you? Paul lived in a culture where if you spoke of Jesus Christ, you could get your head chopped off. In fact, again, as I mentioned earlier, that's what was going to end up happening to him. Nero also threw Christians to lions. He would set them on fire. He would put them in prison. That's the kind of world that was the cradle for Christianity. In Hebrews 10, where the writer commanded the Christians, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. We've got to remember their context. By going to church that very day, when you were leaving the corporate assembly, you could be arrested, your land and your money, everything taken. You could be put in prison. You could give up even your life. And yet he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. But, but go and pray for one another. Encourage one another. Stir one another up to love and good deeds. And all the more as you see the day approaching. This was the type of climate that was the cradle of Christianity. In fact, it wasn't until the Edict of Milan in 313 that Constantine offered that Christianity even became legal for the first time. If your Christian life seems to cost you a little too much right now, just remember what the saints of old have always faced. And Jesus' words to us, For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? We need to lay all of our excuses down and see the value of the gospel. 
Jesus told a parable one time about a man digging in a field and discovering a treasure. And he was willing to go and sell everything that he had and buy that field so he could have that treasure. And, and what that's being compared to is the value of the gospel in the kingdom of God. It's worth everything. And verse 9 gives us our motivation. Our motivation is that the grace of God has saved us and called us. Think about that, folks. The grace of God has saved us and called us. Would you bow with me, please, this morning? Are you willing to take those cups in your hand and just sort of symbolically, not, not now, maybe just some later, sometime later in privacy, hold them up. Say, Lord, I don't know what my share is. But whether it's little or much, whatever affliction you have for me, whatever cost you have for me, Lord, I'm willing. I'm yours. I surrender to you. Others may say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not there yet, but I want to be there. I want to get to that point. Maybe your prayer needs to be, Lord, get me to that point. I could be speaking to somebody right now, even now, because of your faith in Christ and the stand you're taking for Christ. You might be suffering persecution. Oh, you're not being thrown in prison yet. But you might have friends or business associates turning away from you, not wanting to identify with you because you identify with Christ. Are you willing to stand alone? Remember, you're not alone. The Lord's with you. Still others this morning may need to come to Christ. And say, Lord, I'm ready to count the cost. I'm ready to follow. I surrender all. Lord, you know people's hearts. You know where they are. You know where each one of us is. Lord, get us to that place and point where you want us and where you can best use us for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?